back to another episode of the Shift Day Podcast. I'm Edward Assel, sitting here in Singapore. So uh, I've been traveling in Asia for the last less than a week now. We're going to have several shows over the next month and a half coming at you from Asia. First stop is Singapore. And I'm sitting here with Ronan Kilthy, uh, currently of 28 Hong Kong Street. Yep. Uh, welcome to the show, man. Well, thank you for having me on. Thank you for making it all the way out here. It's, I know it's a bit of a trek. Anyone from uh, the States coming out here has gone through a marathon. I've, I've had to do that flight two times within two weeks of each other this year. You're kidding me. Yeah. That's insanity. Yeah. I, I was just talking about that. I've been bar hopping across the city, which is uh, so easy yeah. here, um, which makes it very dangerous. But it also, you, you guys are completely spoiled. Um, other than the fact that the drinks cost a mortgage payment. Yeah, that is, that is the trade-off. <laughs> that trip is insane. And, you know, I, I, I didn't think about, I, I always say, you know, you guys are spoiled, you know, because it, within a f- several-hour flight, you know, you can go to 17 different countries, yeah, you know, yeah. and, the, and they're quite different in the culture. Um, you know, when the cocktail culture is really quite different. So, but then I, somebody made the comment uh, a couple of days ago. It was like, yeah, but, uh, oh, I know. I was uh, talking with, with Nick's oh, okay. in, in Bangkok, and he said, yeah, but you're a short flight to the Caribbean. Yeah, <laughs> so. that, that is true. Like, we, we, like we, we each have our own chain of tropical islands with an easy reach. Sure. Man, let's see, let's get into it because okay. you're quite young, um, yeah. and you've got a, a lot of accolades already. <laughs> I, I just know where to send the checks to the people. To get yeah, it. What it is. yeah, that's usually the game, right? It's just like, um, how do I? How, who do I pay for the play? Um, but I mean, you were named a rising star and Drink uh, Asia, which yeah. is very cool. Yeah. Um, but I mean, for us rum geeks and for anybody that listened to our interview uh with kate perry uh from miami a couple months ago uh would know that we talked uh, quite a bit about claren and yeah. you are the claren world champion sir yeah. yeah thank you yes that that's as much as a surprise to me as it was to anyone else <laughs> yeah so a lot of our listeners um should know a little bit about, but if for anybody that doesn't know what Claran is, do you want to explain a, a little bit about what it is and, yeah. and, and how you ended up uh, taking over the world? <laughs> <laughs> world domination, one sugar cane at a time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Claran is a really, really interesting spirit. It falls under the broad umbrella of rum being a sugar cane spirit, but it's more akin in a production and an ethos and how it exists in the world. Uh, it's uh, more akin to what I know of mezcal and, and agave and sugarcane both share my heart and yes. on either side. And every- I find that that's really common with us rum geeks, especially with those of us that like agricole or fresh pressed sugarcane juice. Like yeah. that agave world and and the um, and the, that fresh sugarcane juice, but particularly from from Haiti. Yeah. So Haiti. <clears throat> Haiti is a country that I, I'll, I'll admit I did not know much about before doing the competition, before going there. And it's, it's incredible. It's a little slice of the Caribbean that has just sort of been untouched and, and not messed with for the last God Yeah, so we're quite years. close um, to, to Haiti ourselves. And it's still really, um, it's still, I think, one of those areas that we don't understand even a lot ourselves. Uh, yeah. Because... 
uh, it's not as developed as going to the Dominican Republic on the on this, you know the same island, or yeah. um, and it's not a big vacation hotspot. Yeah. And so I think for that same reason that a lot of Americans don't have any idea really either. Yeah. And you're much further away, so yeah. I don't think anybody would expect that you would have that much knowledge. Yeah. And but the fact that it's been sort of untouched has also preserved not just its rum making traditions, but its its sugarcane varietals. So Claren, the Cliff Notes version is a fresh cane juice spirit made exclusively in Haiti. Uh, there, are, there are some rules. There are no government-appointed rules. The main people who deal with Claran that most of your listeners will be interacting with is a company called uh, La Maison Bellier. Uh, they're based out of Genoa, Italy, uh, run by the pirate Indi captain <laughs> that is Luca Gargano. The Indiana Jones of yes. <laughs> he, like If you travel with him, like legit, he is 100% Indiana Jones. And like, what the hell is, what, what are you? Who are you? What are you doing? More stories on that later. <laughs> um, but uh, they set out some rules. So, uh, the cane itself has to be a native varietal and preferably unhybridized. It has to be grown organically, harvested by hand, transported to the distillery by animal. Crush, uh, mechanical crushing is okay. The fermentation has to be 100% natural uh, and has to be at least 120 hours. Um, then it's distilled in uh, stills that are direct fire, copper plates uh, uh, directly in contact with fire, and bottled in Haiti and there's no proofing down. So in, in a nutshell, those are the, the core facts for Claran. And when I was reading this, it's like, that sounds like how they make mezcal in, in Yeah, Oaxaca. absolutely, and right. Like, and I, I tried it, I had tried it a while ago, um, and I was like, huh, I was just starting to get into agricoles then, so, or agricole style rums, and I was just like, mm, it's a nice agricole type flavor. Sure. And then I just, reading more and tasting more, and I was like, wow, this stuff like is ridiculous, because you can taste, Tewa in sugar canes. Uh, you can taste tewa in the yeast, and when you're there, you smell it. You like it's it's different where you go. Making me quite jealous. Yeah. That, I, I'll never get that trip because I'm uh, I'm never behind the bar. No, so I, talk, yeah, talk, talk to Kate. Kate can sort yeah, exactly. Out. So I mean, obviously you're really knowledgeable about the subject. You told me you're 25. I'm 23 this you're year. You're 23. Well, so, 22 right now. Oh my God! Really? Yeah. You say you're only 22 years old. Yeah. Um, so that's quite young to have all the knowledge base that you've already gotten. Um, now I realize you grew up, you know, outside of Singapore. Yeah. Um, I mean, when did you kind of first got started in this business? Where did that education, not even the education, start? But how did you get into hospitality? Um, I've always actually had an interest in it. When when I was young, just in middle school, um, or the equivalent of middle school, I, I was watching those like. Travel Channel and Food Network document uh, like shows and cooking. Uh, I, I love to cook and I still love to cook. I just don't have the time anymore, which sure. is really really tricky. Uh, and then after like a certain block of shows, there was this one series that was, as far as I know, fairly short lived. It's called Mixing with the Best, and it was hosted by this guy Manuel Taron, who uh, for a long time worked as Midori Ambassador, okay. uh, based out of Australia, and it was just like a travel and drinking show. And I said, huh, just there's something in my middle school head. I, I never like really went into it then, but just I, I would watch the show. So this is, uh, this is kind of cool. And then. And so you were not living in Singapore, though, at the time. No, I was living in Hong Kong. That's where I was born. I was born in Hong Kong. I grew up there. 
Uh, it's a little bit of a tough place right now, but hopefully things pull through. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. As I flew in, I saw the Hong Kong flights like canceled, canceled, yeah. canceled. It's, it's tricky and, and massive love to anyone out in Hong Kong who's fighting the good fight and getting getting through this. And I would love to be back very, very soon and just say hi to y'all because I miss y'all. Um, yeah, so. So as you moved on beyond middle school, because yeah. I, I, I can only assume you weren't drinking Claran in, in no. middle school as you were watching these television shows, but at some point you had to kind of dive into the industry. Yeah, so I, I kept a, a sort of back of my head passing interest in fine spirits, mm -hmm. craft spirits, cocktails, however you want to categorize this industry. Uh, and after graduating high school, because out here in most of Asia, in the UK, drinking age is 18, so you go out, and I had my little like stint on crappy beer and crappy mm -hmm. vodka and sure. crappy clubs. Um, and then your little stint, you're 22. It was like that yeah. stint must not have been no, very. No, yeah. I, I quickly realized that right. this is not this is not for me. A month and a half yeah. of drinking vodka. <laughs> um, and then I uh, I ended up in the UK in Nottingham uh, uh, for university. Oh, okay. And I I had made friends with some bartenders out here in Singapore. Singapore about five years ago. I, we re my whole family actually relocated to Singapore. Uh, from Hong Kong, so I, I would I was traveling around. I did a bit of travel, and then I went to the UK. And I had been going out to bars here, so I say, "Hey, does anyone have a um, any recommendations for what to do in Nottingham?" And it actually turned out that uh, a fr really good friend of mine, actually one of the first industry friends I ever made here, a guy by the name of Jay Gray, who's currently the Monkey Shoulder Southeast okay. Asia ambassador. Uh, he went to university in Nottingham as well and had a massive uh, community of people and, to, and so he hooked me up with these guys and I started going to their bars and then I started not having much money on the side and then so I started bartending part-time for fun and a little bit of cash. Sure. Um, and eventually the work became more interesting than school. I, I went for a biological sciences degree which I still enjoy I still love the subject and it's like helped me understand a lot of stuff but yeah I have a minor in bio yeah. I quickly realized that a major was going to require a PhD yeah to, you know yeah. <laughs> so I, I basically like one day I was sitting I just like saw my future just sitting in a lab like micro-pipetting yes. samples it's and, funny that's exactly yeah. what where I changed to I so I've got a degree in journalism okay uh, so very useful in the <laughs> restaurant industry yeah. But I guess as much as I use it is right now yeah. and uh, doing the podcast. But, yeah, it, it is. It does help to understand the spirits a little bit. Yeah, no, no for sure. Like, the so, content. So you're paying, for the, you're paying for, you know, your, your habits by working in a bar. Yeah, pretty much. And then uh, I, I completed the year I was there for. And then I actually went back to the U.K. to work another seven, six, seven months. I was living with my general manager. This place that I was working at in Nottingham actually is quite interesting. It's called Brass Monkey. It's been open this year for 20 years. Wow. And it's it's a very, like, very, very casual, yet uh, very focused cocktail bar. It's very, um, when I was there, things, things have changed now because, I mean, over a 20-year lifespan of a bar, things change. It was probably the best that I've seen when I was there. Uh, but like people like Gareth Evans, who's currently the Global Elixir Ambassador, used to work there. Uh, a guy called Kyle Wilkinson, who was running Blind Pig in London and the Beaufort Bar. 
I uh, used to work there, so Ali Reynolds, who's I think still currently the Azure Reserve Ambassador in the UK, he used to work there, so they've been churning out bartenders. Yeah, so, for sure. And I, I was just hoping a little bit of that rubbed off on me. So after leaving Nottingham, is that at which point you came to Singapore? Because yeah. Because your family was already here. Yeah, my family's already here. My mom's from here. My dad's from the UK. So after a while working in Nottingham, uh, my mom's side of the family's all here as well. Like her mom, her, my grandmother, was having some health issues, so decided to move back and be closer, and everything sorted itself out, and I realized it's like, I need a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, those things help. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and thankfully, uh, a couple, uh, another good friend of mine, actually, the previous Monkey Shoulder brand ambassador for Southeast, Southeast Asia, a guy called Zach DeGitt, who's now working um, with 44 other monkeys as the Monkey 47 oh, brand wow. ambassador in for Southeast Asia. He's based in China, or actually APAC, sorry, bigger. Um, him and uh, Zach and a gentleman by the name of Peter Chua, uh, who was the one of the first hires at 28 Hong Kong Street, uh, both went in on a project together called Cracker Jack uh, with the parent company of 28, which is Proof & Co. Uh, so it was an all-day breakfast, lunch, dinner, coffee, cocktails, everything. Uh, restaurant, very casual, very low concept. You come in during the day and get some work done, have some coffee, and then at night have a cocktail, have some awesome food. And then we had a tiny little 10-seat bar sort of attached to the back of it called Junior, uh, which uh, every six months the Yeah, so I was just changes. there a couple of nights ago, and so they're doing an Alpine menu now, which yeah. I thought was great because uh, Joe was working behind the bar, and yeah. he said this is because, um, you know, I, I, about my tiki obsessions. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, you... You guys live in the United States, and you fantasize about being in an island, so that's your escape. He's like, this yeah. is Singapore escape. You yeah. know, we went to go. It's reverse tiki. Well, it is exactly. <laughs> I think that's exactly yeah. what he said. It's, it's reverse tiki. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the art of that space, and then that's why we can do that in there, and it's really, really fun. Um, Actually, you're. Uh, I prob Joe probably mentioned you're about a week too late. I know. Yes, I heard. <laughs> yeah, there was that tiki menu. Yeah, that, that's a bummer. But I, the, the Alpine menu was crazy. I had a uh, one of the more interesting cocktails I've had yeah. in a while, which was it was called Pretzel Logic. I believe. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it's got the mustard powder and yeah. such in there. It was um, it was delicious. I, I just I was like, this is on paper not going for sale as yeah. much as the rest of the cocktail menu. But it, it's if you could get it in front of people, it's like holy. Shit, this yeah. is amazing, man. So, uh, at, again, you're only 22, and you're working yeah. at like kind of the one of the OG places here in Singapore. And, yeah. and for our, we have a lot of American listeners, obviously, where I'm based in the U.S. So, um, the scene here, I don't think people really wrap their head around it. And I and I, we hear about Singapore, and it, you know, obviously, I know that most of the spirits that flowing through like Southeast Asia and the whole zone mm. come here first. Yeah, um, you have. Pretty much, what like fifty percent of the world's or Asia's fifty best bars are like right yeah, here, and I just mean, a few block walk from each other. Yeah, but I mean, it's a really serious scene here. <clears throat> um, I I've not been in too many cities quite like this. I mean, it's it's comfortable, it's easy to walk. There are world class places everywhere, but the cocktail scene is still relatively new as it is everywhere. I mean, not, not many of us are. Have been doing this uh, for too long. I mean, you yeah. know, you, you you were twelve, uh, you know, when, <laughs> when this really started yeah. happening, at least outside of you know, um, Delta Groff and and yeah. everybody in San Francisco and New York. 
Um, and so, and well, London and, and Australia as well, of course. But you work at kind of one of the original places that helped to kick that like obsession off here in Singapore. Yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit about uh, 28 Hong Kong Street. So yeah, uh, 28 Hong Kong Street. Um, that bar, uh, <laughs> that bar's still a lot of stories. So it's it's one of the uh, one of the older cocktail bars in Singapore, and by older, and we're turning eight this year. Um, but that, that in the cocktail world, that's a pretty yeah, that's a pretty it's, long it's time. A, I mean, well, number one, it's a long time to last in business. But yeah, you know, um, when again tracing back that the history of craft cocktails. Um, the resurgence really didn't happen until, you know, what, a decade ago? Yeah. So, you know, that was still pretty early on. No, uh, yeah, like, before that, there were a couple uh, more local-focused cocktail bars. There was another, a couple other restaurants that had had seen the cocktail thing happening elsewhere and started kicking it off, but uh, 28 was the, I, I guess it's very safe in saying the first speakeasy American-style New York Death and Co. PDT sure. looking cocktail bar in Singapore, and it so was. So that's interesting that you say that because I, I, I'm always amazed to hear like the speakeasy style being popular outside of, of New York, um, or not even New York, but the United States. Mm-hmm. And I asked this to um, Timo Yansa um, yeah. Dor- when he was still at Door Seventy Four. Um, <laughs> which you know the address thing right yeah. like it's like the, oh, yeah. the, it's the, the really hidden place and um it's it's interesting to me because there's no history of prohibition here the, the oh, same yeah. that we have here so i mean the speakeasy thing in the united states you know was born out of necessity but mm. you know stylistically it's it's always interesting when that spreads out to another country that didn't have the same prohibition history that we had no yeah uh it's again. It's sort of like our. It's it's that tiki escapist sure. mentality. It's like you're. People like fe- feeling special. People like feeling exclusive, and people like having their own space. And that's what. Uh, that's what we try and do with Twenty Eight. So we try and make it feel like everybody's bar. Uh, we don't have one of everything, but we have something of everything of most things. And and whether you want to come in and talk about the origins of the view career or if you just want to sit down and have a like a gin and tonic and get on with your date either or we're here to help you have have the best night possible the hospitality here in the city has been insane like it's yeah. you know i've gone out with apparently everyone's favorite uh barfly uh, yeah barfly slash um tiki tour guide i'm not tiki uh, cocktail tour guide yeah uh, moses co and he's thank you to everyone that pointed in my direction uh, it was primarily like john go and uh yoma rivera and yeah. kate perry were like all said just just go drink with him yeah and yeah well, he's hitting you know seven bars a night so it was i just kind of tagged Which along it's very doable here from a distance wise it really standpoint. is i was shocked at how i i mean we hit four bars last night and i don't think we walked more than you know five minutes in between each bar yeah. So it was. It reminded me a lot of just kind of hanging around the East Village of like you know yeah. going to yeah, boom, boom, Death and Co and yeah. having Warrior Margo and, and and something like that. And so, um, yeah, that was really fantastic. I didn't make it over to see you last night uh, um, because we were right. kind of bar hopping. But the hospitality of what I was getting at is that you know I, I found it very um, you know 
progressed past the point of the kind of snotty bartender. Of, and I think the whole industry, and maybe yeah. you disagree, I don't know, uh, kind of the phases that you've gone through here, but, you know, the we don't have to be assholes to force somebody to drink a good cocktail anymore, you know, if they come in and get a highball. And, um, yeah. you know, I mean, Moses had his version of a, a Midori Sour. He's obsessed with Midori right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um... That that sense of hospitality is one of the reasons that I really love Singapore, and, and it, like, it's not just a sense, but like the actual hospitality that extends past bartenders interacting with guests. Um, so as I said, 28 Hong Kong Street was one of the first bars to open in 2011, and then subsequently after that, um, <clears throat> we had places like Jigger and Pony, Cufflink Club, uh, the library, uh, some of which are still here, some of which have uh, unfortunately since closed. And there was this sort of uh, build up and 2016 was like the last massive push that we really saw for mm -hmm. bars opening, uh, 2016, 2017. Um, was there a retraction or just kind of a slowdown of openings? I mean, there have been some years where it's just like, holy crap, there's 70,000 venues open. <laughs> right. And we are a tiny island and we only have so many people. <laughs> right, yeah, so how many people live on the island entirely? I mean, it's uh, a city it's state. A, yeah, it's a city state, it's about, about seven million people. Okay. Uh, I'll probably be corrected for that over the internet, but um, sure. Uh, yeah, uh, and, but we being where we are in Southeast Asia and being a nice international hub, we get a lot of people coming in, come say hi, come to visit, coming for work. So that, that helps us. I think that's one of the things that really helps bars here be sustainable. But the one thing that surprised me and that really really sticks with me as being awesome about Singapore is that it's one of the least competitive cities within the bar people uh, the bartending bar owner bar manager whatever hospitality community we're all in it for all of us we're all in it for Singapore which mm -hmm. is fantastic uh, we have a whatsapp group chat like every day, which is, we call it faster than Google, because it's like, where do I need, where can I get 200 pounds of Concord grapes? And then in five <laughs> minutes, and bing, 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 this is where you get them. Wow, so, that's great. And That is, I mean, you know, I've, obviously I think that in, in any developing market, you know, that rising tide uh, lifts all boats, but I mean, this, yeah. this is a moving market, that's moving forward. There definitely is no need um, for that, and there's a lot of larger groups that aren't even Singapore-based that own a lot of these places. I've noticed. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but the bartenders kind of working together to be able to do that—that's that's quite amazing, man. Um, yeah. And I felt that you can feel that energy as we as I've bar hopped around in the last few days. Um, so you said that you, because there's an international community, and it is very—I mean, it's very easy to travel here as an yeah. American. I don't speak any of the languages that I hear here, and yeah. I'm hearing a lot of the languages. I hear a lot of Chinese, but there's Malay. Yeah, uh, so it's like four major langu languages in Singapore, English, uh, Mandarin, Chinese, Malay, and Tamil, which is an Indian language. Sure, so. and so, yeah, and I'm never sure quite what I'm hearing or where I'm going. We, you know, obviously have been eating in the hawker markets quite a lot. And, um, it's very inexpensive to eat, to eat here, but quite expensive to drink yeah. here. Uh, even by New York standards. Yeah. Um, yeah, most cocktails start at around, what would it be, probably 18 US dollars. Right, start at 18, yeah. yeah. Because uh, the unfortunate thing about Singapore is that we have uh, 
very high tax on alcohol. And that's actually what was uh, what was an issue, like an issue with the scene in Singapore around in in the early days. Because when you have a country that has such a high tax, there the distributors and the producers they don't want to send all their stuff out because they have to pay that tax. Sure. So it was a spirits wasteland for a while. And with 28, they were actually having to buy retail spirits in San Francisco from cask, put it on a boat, send it across the ocean, pay full import and duty, and sometimes they were getting a better rate than they would from local distributors here wow. because they were just price gouging. That's crazy. They had to 86 menu items because they were too popular. It's like, don't don't drink that, the boat's not coming for a while. And Wow. Yeah. That's really wild. So with that being such an international city and there be it being very easy to travel here and I really enjoy that because I've been in Bangkok prior to that yeah. and I'm going to be spending the next month in Bangkok and so one of the things that came up is have, that have I have fun and good luck <laughs> yes well I have family in Bangkok so okay, like we're, cool. we're staying in, in um, Sapong Kwai oh nice um, so it's right by the train and I can yeah. get out and about without having to have my family tour guide me around yeah. and make sure I don't get ripped off for being Falang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always an issue. Right, right. So, but I was talking uh, again with Nick at uh, Asia Today the other day and we were talking about, you know, how those adventurous bars um, and, I mean, craft cocktail culture and not only that, but drinking culture in a lot of Asian countries is just not as prolific as it is in the West. And you said you spent time in England and obviously yeah. in the U.S. And I've got Irish blood, you know, I can, yeah. I, I mean, you know, when I have three, four drinks, that doesn't hit yeah. me. But, you know, um, my wife, family, and, you know, they have one and they're done. We had, yeah. my brother-in-law had one cocktail at Asia Today. And he was like, I, I, I got to go home. Wow. And so, um, you know, I was kind of wondering what, you, what if that's what's happening as far as your client base. Are you seeing a lot of international or is it locals that are coming in, um, you know, to, to hold that up? Because there are quite a lot of these really cool bars. But as we just talked about, they're quite expensive. I had drinks yeah. last night, you know, that were upwards of twenty five dollars, twenty six dollars. Yeah. Um, and that's not uncommon. Yeah. Um, it, it's a mix. Um, it is a mix. Luckily, a lot of these bars are located in and around the central business district. Sure. So you have a lot of uh, people who have a lot of disposable income mm -hmm. in a very short reach. Um, it's not that drinks are disproportionately expensive to a lot of other things. Like a lot of things are a little bit elevated out here because we produce nothing in Singapore. Sure, yeah. Everything it's an island. Is, yeah, everything is imported. Like. So things are a little bit expensive, so um, it's, it's not like everything else is pennies and it's like, what the hell is this cocktail thing? Uh, but we do, get, we do get regulars that are local and inter uh, we, uh, I, I have a, a regular who is a yearly regular. Every time he comes into Singapore, which is about once a year, That's he'll great. come by and see me and we'll have some drinks and talk some whiskey and whatnot. And he's super, super cool. And, then we have the people who are in couple, three times a week, and then we have people who are just flying by. And it's one of those things that if, you, if you're looking to get out and drink cocktails, you're kind of like, right, cementing yourself, okay, this is roughly the amount of money I'm gonna to spend tonight. Sure, of course. Like, uh, we had, um, be <laughs> I'm just, I'm, like, I hate to even mention this because it just feeds the beast, but I had Jeff 
Beach Barberry yeah. on the show recently, and the reason, I mean, we got really, really drunk, and yeah. interview would be a very loose term for that, but he talked about, you know, when getting into Tiki, where, you know, he would have to save up to go out to have yeah. Navy Grog, because, yeah. you know, like, he he was good, but it yeah. was, and it was quite expensive, and yeah. so that was definitely an, an occasion for me, he was like, do I lo- do laundry, or do I have a Navy Grog? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 not it's hopefully not not, not <laughs> yeah, that bad right. out here. I, I yeah. hope people are the, the economies are all right enough that people don't have to choose between laundry or martini. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and the other thing is that there there's there's a good variety of bars <clears throat> right now in Singapore. For a while, um, you kind of had the fancy cocktail bars, and then you had the local drinking holes, mm-hmm. and then you have have you been to a KTV yet? Hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> probably, probably not the best if, if you have to catch flights and whatnot, but then you have the later, later spots, like the karaoke bars, sure, the Thai discos, and it's just, that's kind of the category now, but in the, quote, fancy cocktail bar uh, sector, we've been seeing a lot of diversification, which I think is great because if we're all fighting from this, for the same slice of the pie by way of customers, we want to give them options. And that's why, like, personally, I'm more than happy if you're not having a great experience at 28 for whatever reason. Hopefully it's not because of the service of the drink. <laughs> right. But it's just like, it's just not sure. your vibe. I, I have friends at other, who work at other fantastic places that would be more your vibe. Yeah, and I've seen that thread, I guess, in, in two ways, right? Like there's, um, because it's such an international city, I've had like kind of very straightforward Japanese style mm. uh, experiences, and, and you know across the board, the, the speakeasy style. And uh, the, but on the other hand, I, what I I feel like there's a real thread. Like it feels very distinctly Singapore at every single one of these bars. Like the yeah. ingredients that are being used, what's being made. It's not um, kind of trying to become something else. Like you know where I'm from in Indianapolis. We've kind of lived in the shadow of Chicago mm. uh, because it's very, very close to us for so long that I just think that, you know, we would look to Chicago and like, well, what are they doing? We're going to do that, too. Mm. Um, and I, I feel like we've broken out of that now, um, but it took a while to do. But here it feels like its own thing. You know, um, I mean, I, you are a little bit isolated from being in Ireland and the next yeah. two closest countries would be Malaysia and Indonesia, yeah. which I can only assume don't have a, a thriving craft cocktail um, scene, at least nothing that we hear about. Yeah. Kale's actually, I, I was just there a couple of weeks ago. Um, Kale's amazing. Like the, the hospitality out there is great. Uh, getting product out there is still a little bit difficult, but sure. people are loving the cocktails and people are eager and hungry. And um, if you're ever in Kale, there is a bar that you, you need to go to. It's called Jungle Bird. It's run by a guy called uh, Josh Ivanovic, uh, his uh, wife, Lolita, and uh, business partner, uh, Divi. Uh, Josh used to work at uh, Mahiki in London. Oh, cool. So it's it's one of the, maybe it's not the biggest rum collection in Southeast Asia, but it's one of the best curated. And it's it's everything that, it's not quite full tiki, it's more tropical rum bar, uh, but like they're open late and I was there very late the last couple times just because Josh is also a massive rum nerd. So we have yeah. like, someone says rum and we're like, okay, we're gonna, we're here for the next eight hours talking about this, so it'll get comfy. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's exactly what I find myself doing because you, know, you want to try cocktails every time you go visit a place, but then there's 
the selection on the wall. Yeah. And you're like, well, I can't get that. I can't get that. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna try this across the board. I mean, so I mean, that's my my outsider point of view of, of the cocktail um, scene here. I mean, but what what do you see? is happening and what's the kind of future for Singapore when it comes to the cocktail scene? Well, when Singapore started, it had the advantage of looking at places like London and New York and San Francisco and Paris, things uh, because those places have had cocktail drinking culture for for longer than most other places. So we're just looking and say, okay, that, that's cool. Like the three guys who actually set up 28, they all met in law school. Uh, and they were found themselves out here, and they realized uh, there wasn't bars like they had back in New York. And the first uh, head bartender, a guy called Michael Callahan, uh, used to work in San Francisco at uh, Jatan, I think. And then a couple of years later, we got Joe Alessandroni, who mm-hmm. we met the other night, who used to work at Rick yeah. House and Local Edition. And yeah, he's he was great, man. We, yeah. we talked for quite a while. I wish I would have had more time to spend chilling with him yeah he's he's a really cool guy we call we call him affectionately uh grumpy uncle joe he's, a <laughs> <bit> like, <laughs> he's very he's very he can be like yeah he he's grumpy uncle joe like it's yeah it's it's hard to explain it's hard to explain it's, i love him to bits i want to be him when i grow up um but yeah so that there was a little bit of imitation. If you look at 28 Hong Kong Street, for example, if, uh, it looks very much like it would not be out of place in the East Village. Mm-hmm. If you look at a bar called the Library, it would not look out of place in Shoreditch. Um, and of course, we have Japan very, very close. So Jigger and Pony has a very, very Jap- uh, like a, a Japanese influence going through mm-hmm. it, especially with like Gibson, how they, how the bartenders uh, make drinks and their technique and their hospitality style, but. It's, even then, I wouldn't. It's not a hundred percent Ginza style bar. It's a very right. Singaporean bar. It's like they've crossed the line. Like us at Twenty Eight, we're not. We're American influence. We're American style, but we're not an American bar. Um, it's just because we have so many people, as I said, coming in and working with us, and have people from all over the world come and visit us and share ideas and spread ideas, things just happen naturally. And then, of course, you look to the fantastic uh, cuisine and product that we have available to us. It's funny, like, out here, we're scrambling for things like really, really good tomatoes. We can't get fantastic tomatoes out here unless you pay an arm and a leg. Mm. But we can get fresh passion fruit. Right, like yeah, pound. passion fruit, yeah. guava. I've seen all kinds of stuff here. They're like, oh, wow, okay, yeah. this is great. And because I mean, those are the ingredients that you know we have a hard time to, to yeah. not necessarily sourcing. We have easy access, but it's just quite expensive, and yeah. to, especially to put into a cocktail. Yeah. Also, we can't charge $24. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not in my market. Yeah. Maybe, maybe New York. Maybe New York. Um, so as, as things are evolving, and it's got its own identity now, like you said, it's, it's becoming distinctly Singaporean. Like, I mean, where's where does that go from here? I mean, you're you're 22, and so and it's not, and I, this is not coming from me. This is coming from a lot of people that I've met over the course of the last several days that knew that you and I are going to be sitting here today. Um, that you are one of the faces of the future of the cocktail scene here. <laughs> um, I mean, you're not yet 23, so you're just getting started, and with your deep knowledge and and passion for the industry at this age. I mean, I can't imagine where you're going to be at 33, 35, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so what, 
What do you think the future holds for the city or if you even plan to stay in the city? Um, I mean, I would really like to stay in Singapore for as long as they'll have me. It's kind of like home 1.5 for me because every year for Chinese New Year, my mom's Pranakan Chinese, we would come over and uh, see her family when we were still living in Hong Kong. So it's always been in close to me and very familiar to me. And the scene as well, this is where I really started this is going to sound really bad. This is really where I started drinking properly and drinking yeah, sure. like good cocktails and being exposed to that stuff and meeting bartenders and like, like and now working. Uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting market because as I mentioned multiple times, it's a lot of bars in a small concentration. Uh, there's going to be high turnover, but. I've, I feel that Singapore really does have a lot to offer, more so than it does, or than it offers already. Um, we're seeing new generations of bartenders rolling through every um, uh, every couple of years. Like I, I make this joke that all my friends uh, are now BAs because that, that's a very common progression out here. You, you work in a bar, you, you get to head bartender, you maybe bar manager, and then you go corporate, you work for a brand, which is like totally cool. It's not where I am right now. It's not what I want to do at the moment, but it could very well change. Uh, but yeah, that has like lifted that gap of people working in mm -hmm. bars um, for new people to come in. Unfortunately, we not everywhere has a line of people out the door uh, wanting to come in. Uh, the labor laws in Singapore are a little bit tricky and a little bit restrictive with how many non-Singaporeans you can have to Singaporeans. Um, and a lot of the local talent is, they've been really, really fostered very, very well through uh, Talk, uh, through working with, hmm, how can I put this? Yeah, the, the local talent that's out here now has been here for a while. Uh, not to say that there is no new local talent sure. by any means. Right. It's just, it's, yeah, it's, you, you don't have throngs of bartenders like waiting, waiting for an opportunity mm -hmm. to get behind a bar. Yeah, and I've heard that a couple of times that, you know, it's that because of the restrictive uh, immigration, you know, or work visas, whatever, however it's mm -hmm. phrased, coming through, that, yeah, there's, there's a need. Um, and, and so, I mean, I think that's an industry-wide issue, like mm -hmm. the labor market, because I find that a lot of people your age um, are very, like you said, quick to jump into a brand ambassador position or work with a brand. Um, or, and also, statistically, um, younger generations just aren't drinking as much. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there's fewer people kind of wanting to get into food and beverage business because it's just not something they're interested in in their daily life. So yeah. um, it'll be interesting, I think, how in general the industry changes because on this show, you know, I travel around a lot and uh, internationally a little bit less so, but I mean, we've had people on from, you know, I don't know, four or five different countries and I hear the same thing from every American and every, uh, every person across the world that it's an issue. Right, mm -hmm. is that it's getting harder and harder and harder to find people, especially that'll stick around. Yeah. Um, you know, you train, they leave. Yeah. You get back. To, it's just this vicious it's, it's cycle. It's a cycle, and I, I really, I enjoy 
staying at one spot for a while because like you learn and then you apply um, and thankfully bartending is now in Singapore because of the the fantastic uh, recognition that we've managed to get in the last few years is becoming more of a sexy profession it's very rarely doing it oh so what's your real job anymore right and right. that's maybe also because of how things work out here's like we don't work for tips we have a salary everyone gets salary everyone is like um like you you know you're going to get paid at the end of the month and you have a job um but yeah, that, that stigma is slowly falling away that an F&B is something that people might want to get involved in, but I guess only time will tell if sure. we see a massive boom of young bartenders coming in. And so as we wrap up, you know, I wanted to touch on the fact, because we talked a little bit before we got going today, you, I mean, what you did mention earlier that, you know, 28 is a little bit kind of got that American speakeasy vibe, but yeah. um, you, you do travel to the U.S. Um, yeah. and, and you've been, you just were at Tails. Yeah. Um, and so you're, you're, you're a face that people may actually run into in the United States. Yeah. And so, you know, if people do run into you, I hope that they say, hey, man, we heard yeah. you on Shift Dream, brother. Yeah, please, you know? please. But um, so, you know, you, you've won awards. You, like we talked about the Claren, 28's won tons of awards. I mean, so do you get to travel a little bit in order to do that? Because I know that it's, it's kind of a double question, or maybe I'm just rambling at this point, but, you know, as the pop-up, or visiting bartender culture in Singapore here is like none I've seen in any singular city. So maybe, <laughs> maybe in like you know New York, one of some of our larger markets. But geez, I feel like, well, so in like Drink Magazine in Asia, there it's literally they have yeah. a section yeah. that goes up every month. Of like here's who's going to be you know visiting and yeah. doing a pop up, and I and mean, so it's the number of bartenders coming from abroad to visit Singapore and do a pop up is is insane. Yeah, and, and so. Yeah, I mean, does that help you, like, between traveling to the U.S. and doing that, you know, going to Tales of the Cocktail and then with com combined with visiting people here? It's got to be really pushing out your network and, and you being pulled in several directions. No, yeah, it, it is. And uh, it's it's tough, like, as as been mentioned before, we're, we're a tiny island. So uh, personally, this might this may, people may not agree with this, but I, I see no real point in doing a guest shift at another bar in Singapore unless it's for like a charity mm -hmm. or um, whatnot because or for competition or, or if there's some ulterior motive uh, because Singapore is so small it's like if you wanted to go see this bartender the bar is 10 minutes down the road right they quite, don't need, quite easy yeah they're not coming from <laughs> they're not coming from <laughs> New Mexico over here yeah, to right. like do a shift and say yeah I'll, I'll go out and see them um, but Singapore being the international hub, and as you say, very easy to travel to, very easy to travel around. Um, and this is also the hub for most brands in Southeast Asia. They'll have their head office in Singapore. Um, and, we, uh, and we have enough of a cocktail devoted crowd that people will understand. Like, uh, on Monday, like two days ago, we had uh, Marianne Becker from uh, Gibson London. Yeah, that's super cool. Uh, Luca Cinali almost lives here now. Like I've seen him so many times, uh, and even throughout Southeast Asia, in the community, we're we're a two-hour, four-hour flight away. So we have a lot of like people popping up, like Nix and a couple of the guys from Thailand were down a couple of weeks ago to do uh, Rum Appreciation Month uh, with Nutmeg and Clove. 
it's always good to see those guys and yeah uh, yeah that's where again back to my point is like I just it's insane to me because you know the United States is so large um, so for us to be able to travel around I mean there are of course regional differences in the way we make cocktails between say New York and the Midwest and California or even uh, like New Orleans but it's still it still feels very distinctly American you know and that's you know a four and a half five six hour flight mm. You get on an airplane from the most beautiful airport on the planet um, and, and fly three hours and you can cover dozens of countries and they are so distinctly different in the way that they're doing things because they have different cultural traditions. Uh, the ingredients that exist there are different, um, mm. you know, and, and so I, that I do feel that that's kind of because this is the hub, you know, mm. or, or more or less a, a hub because of the alcohol coming through here and mm. being home office here is that you're kind of getting everything. It's almost like the, the old Silk Road, right? Like, yeah. is it, you know, like Bangkok, well, I'm more familiar with than, than a lot of the places yeah. in Asia, you know, like it's just kind of picked up a little bit here, a little bit there. Yeah. Like, oh, well, okay. Curry, oh, the way they do curry in, yeah. in India is cool. Let's integrate that into Thai cuisine. And like, yeah. oh, the Chinese, let's, let's do that thing. And so like, you've picked up all these little cool pieces of other cocktail um, kind of cultures um, and made them very distinctly your own thing. Yeah. Uh, and even you, I mean, you, you said you grew up in Hong Kong, so yeah. you're bringing your own personal, uh, you know, kind of view to that as well. Yeah. and. If, in the bar community, there's we've got people working here who from uh, Slovakia and Australia and France and ev Spain and everywhere in the states, all across Asia, the Philippines, Malaysia, and, and just having that, having that sort of point of reference that is not yours and something that is completely unique is what I find really great because I feel. From, from a very scientific, biological standpoint, uh, generalists survive longer than specialists. Because <laughs> um, as soon as you change a little thing in specialist life, things have a greater effect. But So if you have a bigger base of knowledge spread across multiple different people's experiences and life experiences and ideas, if, if something doesn't work out, someone's probably going to have an idea to how, how to improve it, how to fix it, and how things can make uh, be made better like right now there's a happening right now there is a um, a chat amongst a lot of the brands and bar managers and head bartenders happening to uh, sort of organize Singapore cocktail week because this year and a couple of years it's been very intense there's been a lot of events happening day to day yeah um, so they're having a, a chat just to see how we can make it healthier for us and healthier for our our guests who don't have to go to. I'm shocked that there isn't one already. Yeah. I, I think I would be very much be interested other than the, yeah. the, the just nightmare of a flight, you know, once, once you're in the area, it's so easy to travel around. Yeah. Um, that's why, I, again, when I'm, I'm just here for three days, and while I was here, like four people that I was going to link up with were like, oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm in Vietnam. Oh, no, sorry, I'm in Taiwan this week. I'm in the Philippines. And, you yeah. know, like every, it's like, uh, you guys, it's so easy to, to, to just travel for a few days to go elsewhere. And, um, you know, for us, that's just staying in the same country and going to a different state. Mm. So, um, but what I did realize in, in the States when I was there, because this, this year's Tales was the first time I've been back to the States in about six years. Okay. And it's like talking with everyone, because like I was part of the Cocktail Apprentice program, so we have everyone. Oh, wow. 
it, it was Chicago's year this year. There's like 10 red coats from Chicago, or 10 people rather from Chicago in the entire thing. But um, it made me realize that the US is <clears throat> not a, what is not really one country of 50 states. It's 50 little tiny countries all kind of smushed together and a very easy border control. Yeah, it's right, exactly. Very yeah. easy border control. That's one way to put it. Yeah. Well, except for the legal cannabis states yeah. and, the, 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 and the illegal cannabis states, the border's a little bit of a different story than yeah. the police just sit there waiting for you. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I'm a big, I've mentioned several times a big advocate of legalization, but I live in a, yeah. a state where it's not, so that's uh, unfortunate, you know. Yeah. But um, it, it is, but I don't know. You know, there's still, you know, there are regional differences. I, I feel it's a little bit more regional rather than, you know, uh, as far as, like, the 50, breakdown of the 50, but I feel like there's a good, like, 10 to 12 different yeah. um, very clear regions in the way that we do things, um, yeah. particularly in this community. But, yeah, and cu the cuisine, yeah, yeah. that's... Yeah, there's so many kind of microclimates of cuisine, you yeah. know, and and yeah, it's where it was the states is acts as one country, and so there's going to be common more common threads like Southeast sure. Asia. There's a lot of common threads around Southeast Asia, but it's more little idiosyncrasies of <clears throat> uh, how like if if you took one ingredient. Like, like the ingredient. Like, if you were to think about the ingredient that sort of connects Southeast Asian cooking, that's really Southeast Asian. Is a lot of people say chilies, but chilies aren't from here. Sure. It's like that. That blew my mind a while ago. As I think about Thai food without chilies. I know. I know. What the hell? Um, it's probably like, to be honest, it's probably fermentation. It's probably fish sauce and mm. like funky, like kimchi and stuff in northern uh, Northeast Asia as well. Um, but if you look at how Vietnam does it, how Thailand does it, how the Philippines do it, how uh, Malaysia and Indonesia, they do it. It's uh, same thread, different strand, basically. Yeah, so, you know, as we kind of finish up here today, well, I have two questions, but yeah. one, like, you know, uh, I want to encourage our listeners to, to come and check this out because it is a very easy place to visit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, how would you... I guess recommend you know checking out what kind of trip. I mean, because you can hit Singapore and and really hang out for several days and and branch out. I mean, what would what would that trip I think look like if somebody doesn't know what's going on? Because I feel like it it it's intimidating, right? Yeah, like I mean, especially I mean, a lot of Americans. We don't uh, for the most part um, speak more than English, you yeah. know. And we're not we're we're not brought up speaking numerous languages. There, I mean, Spanish would be an easy second. I mean, mm. I, I speak relatively decent Spanish, but not enough to conduct an entire yeah. interview. But uh, apart from that, so, but I think that's why a lot of people are intimidated to come visit Asia. Like, they're afraid that nobody's going to be able to communicate with them. I mean, in the major cities, the capital cities of all the countries in Southeast Asia, you're going to get by fine on English. Um, we are in Southeast Asia um, <clears throat> because people want to come to these countries and visit like these these cities are very well developed and uh, i think main issue is just traffic sure uh, the, the traffic side uh, in singapore it's not so bad but when you go to kl and bangkok and manila sure. and jakarta that's when you go like yeah it's been yeah. very easy to get around here and then you know grab the you yeah. know that is the replacement for uber or actually yeah. they purchased the uber's yeah. contracts yeah um it's been easy to use i mean it's been so easy to get around but i mean you don't really need to unless you're really making a, a decent trek because yeah. you can walk 
for, I mean, so I, we sat down here today and literally one hour before you um, were scheduled to, to come meet with me, I like walked down to a hawker market, grabbed some breakfast, nice. you know, sat with my wife and then headed back and was still here ready to set up, you know, before. And so yeah. like, it's that compact and, yeah. and, um, and it's so clean. This is one of the cleanest countries I think I've ever been to. Yeah. Um, Martinique is, I think kind of in line with that, but a much smaller Island than, than this and yeah. would, uh, definitely population wise. Yeah. Um, I'm just quite shocked at just, um, how pristine everything is and safe. Yeah. It's very safe. Uh, Singapore, super safe. Uh, most, most of the cities. Uh, apart from petty crime, sure, it's, right. They're they're totally safe to walk around most areas. Uh, obviously, if there's do, do a bit of research uh, coming in, mm -hmm. uh, maybe there's some areas that you might want to avoid if if you're traveling with children and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But um, so yeah, I, I would if you're coming all the way from Europe or the states, I would make a decent trip out of it. Like as you were saying, it is a eight-hour flight the furthest away in in most of Asia from Singapore. Like it's oh, wow. about eight hours to Japan, it's about nine hours to Melbourne. So if you want to go to Australia, um, but everywhere else it's, yeah, two hours to Bangkok. It's a f one hour flight to KL. When I was there, the whole airport processing took longer than the flight to go to Malaysia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hang out in Singapore. Yes, but, but the airport days. here really is yeah. ridiculously like amazing. I, I, yeah, when I got back, I was like, oh my god, this is, this is easy. Yeah, there's like a waterfall and a jungle in there and a whole shopping mall. Yeah. But yeah, I really encourage everybody to come check out this cocktail scene here because I've not seen anything like it. Um, you know, mind you, I haven't been everywhere in the world, but it just the the vibrancy, uh, the community, the quality. Uh, and, and the diversity is something that I've really not seen anywhere else. And I think it is because it just, it's been such an international hub. So my last question for you today is when I try to ask everyone if I don't yeah. drink two bottles of rum with, with beach <laughs> berries, but um, it, it, you, it, you're 22 years old. This may not even be applicable to you. Um, do you have any hangover cures that, that uh, have helped you out or that we can hangover spread? Cures. That we can spread? <laughs> um, Prevention, I always yes. feel, is better than cure. Uh, I, I, I've actually, day to day, I don't drink that many cocktails sure. when I'm out. I don't know it's, if it's just a, because when you're working at a bar, you're tasting right. a lot of drinks, your palate is just fatigued. Just, I just want, like, I want a, like a tequila soda or a right. soda yeah. or whiskey soda or just something. That's, just a beer. Yeah, yeah, bubbly and, like, mostly water. Um, because that actually that actually helps with the hangover. Because like when two thirds of your drink is water, you're drinking a lot of water. But um, yeah, just eat and actually talking about walking around. I think that's actually one of the things that helps bar crawls out here because you're walking to most of the bars. It gets you out of the bar. It did keep the, me kind of sustained at a level where I wasn't getting sloppy drunk because we were hitting a lot of bars, but we were walking you know several blocks in between. You you know you stop and have one drink, yeah. walk you know. 10 minutes to the next place. So you're just, you're constantly active. 
I also usually assign the person that's with me yeah. the job of reminding me to drink water with yeah. my drinks because I'm like, hey, I'll have another cocktail, and I always yeah. forget to drink that water, and that's I get into that situation. So yeah. in, in Malaysia, it's a bit tough sometimes because in KL, you, there's like pockets of the city because the city is more than the city, and you go to bars, and then you're sitting in an Uber or Grab for 20 minutes, and you're just like, yeah, I can feel that that drink coming. <laughs> I don't want to. Don't want to get out of the cab now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Ronan, man, this is. It's been real cool to sit and chat with you. I, I regret that I didn't make it to 28 while I was in town. Oh, um, no worries. Again, nice. I, it was my effort. I or my. It was my intent to make it over there, and I've still got. Um, I've still got time tonight. But are you working this evening? By the way. Unfortunately, I'm okay, not. Okay, you're not there. But I'll let check out know. the bar. Yeah, please. Um, I'll let the guys know you're coming. So, where can anybody find you on social media? I mean, I think that there's going to be a, a definitely a lot of people because Claren, we we've talked about it a lot on the show. Um, it's relatively new to the U.S. Yeah. Um, but it's my current obsession um, and has been since I tried it the first time. Yeah. And so, um, where can people find you on social media? Uh, on social media, if you on Facebook, my name Ronan Kilthy. Uh, on Instagram, it's at Ronan underscore M underscore K. And yeah, uh, Instagram is an easy way to reach out to me. And yeah, and, and, and they can there. find Twenty Eight through your uh, personal um, pages, or uh, you, it's probably not too hard to hunt down from the website. Well, actually, uh, this, this is a fun one. This is we we're having a meeting about this the other day. Uh, <laughs> we have no social media. Really? Uh, our website is uh, the Uber Speakeasy. You don't even exist online. Yeah, like um, <laughs> if you go to 20hks.com, it's just the email that you use to contact us for a reservation, and we don't have we we own an Instagram page, uh, but we don't. There's nothing on there. We just do that just so we can keep control of the, sure. the tagging and whatnot. Um, uh, yeah, like wow, yeah. that's cool. So we are the our ultimate. Own, yeah, <laughs> but uh, each uh, person that works there is the own brand is our own brand ambassador for sure. Twenty Eight. So you'll see a lot of Twenty Eight stuff on our own <clears throat> Instagram pages because the bar itself doesn't have one. That's awesome. So yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. No, I'm going to be. I'm, I hope to be able to come back in a few weeks no, please, um, please. as well. That's like I said. I've been in Asia for like five days total. And most of it's been in Singapore at this point. So um, I'm hoping to be able to come back in, in a few weeks towards the end of the month. And yeah. um, we've got a couple other people that we're going to be talking to in Bangkok and, and Singapore as well. So uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate you taking time out of the day. And oh. yeah, man, hey, you're the future of the, uh, the cocktail scene <laughs> here. So, so cheers. Cheers.